Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Literacy Podcast. I can't wait for today's episode because we are talking with two fantastic teachers from Skinny Atlas. So, Melissa, I think we should start this episode off by a, with a spelling bee. Can you spell Skinny Atlas, oh, please? Why would you do that to me? <laughs> <laughs> I can because I have it up in front of me. I know. But <laughs> otherwise, no, I cannot. <laughs> but we love our friends in Skinny Atlas. And we yes. were able to talk to Francine and John, who are two district leaders and well, district and school leader um, in Skinny Atlas and all the exciting things that are happening in the district um, with their adoption of wit and wisdom. So we're excited to hear what is actually happening in some classrooms. So welcome, Seth and Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. here. And Seth and Kelly are sitting in the same room. So we get (laughs) this is very unheard of for Pat. Usually everybody's in separate spaces. So you have a a huge benefit here to be in the same space. So welcome. And you're in like a closet, right? With books. Books are behind you. It's very appropriate (laughs) for a literacy podcast. What is on greens? It's green. perfect. It's our though. green screen wit and wisdom book. Um, so we're very excited. <laughs> but we're talking all about their collaboration today and how I they know, work together. Perfect. So it is absolutely perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kelly, do you want to start by introducing yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Kelly Gunderson. I'm actually the middle school librarian. I've been here for five years. Um, I've been working as a librarian for over uh, 14 years. So I was um, happy to be a part of the adoption of Wit and Wisdom for our middle school program two years ago. And Seth? Hi, uh, my name is Seth Benjamin, and I am the sixth grade language arts teacher here at the middle school in Skinny Alice. I have taught here for 20 years. Uh, fifth, most of the time was in fifth grade. However, uh, the last five have been up here in sixth grade in the middle school. Awesome. Sixth grade is my absolute favorite year. <laughs> fifth, fifth grade is mine. So see there. <laughs> there Seth, you go. You're perfect. <laughs> That's what Kelly tells me. Yeah, day. totally. <laughs> we could we could tell by how you were setting up for this podcast. Yeah. Kelly is just honoring you every single day. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Holding his hand, honoring you, however you want to put it. <laughs> well, we would love for you both to just share your experiences with implementation so far of the curricula, and then we can dive deeper because I think what makes you both really special is your collaboration as uh, you know a librarian and as a classroom teacher. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about that after you kind of frame for us what your experience have been so experiences have been so far. Okay, I'll let Seth start with the classroom. Sure, I, you know one of the things here in our second year uh, that definitely was an expectation I had going into using wit and wisdom and it has come true is, is the ability of all of our students to have access to the high level complex texts and be successful. And, and I'll admit when we first started looking at wit and wisdom, uh, you have those questions is can all students uh, be successful and, mm-hmm. and grow as readers and, uh, writers with high level text and, and the answer is yes. And, and with the right supports and collaborating with Kelly, um, and, and really as a building as a whole, 
we have seen wit and wisdom take all our readers. Uh, the struggling readers are becoming successful and confident readers. Our high level readers have taken off and, and it's really uh, a building wide experience that we've seen our kids just love reading and, and want more re- to, to read. And I know Kelly will talk about, uh, the increase in books that have been going out of the library and how we've really made the entire um, Wit and Wisdom program uh, a part of what we do, not just in language arts classrooms, but social studies and, 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 and science classrooms. And the kids are talking about what they're learning in our modules in, in those classrooms. And, and that's the greatest thing is when you hear them going down the hallway, not in class, and they're talking about the book we're reading. <laughs> I uh, that. And that to me is just <laughs> is what I, as a teacher, love. And so I've been excited and and can't wait to see where we're only in year two, uh, where where we're gonna go. Seth, I love that. That was always my favorite part as a teacher too. When they would leave, I, I, you know, I have a really fond memory of students reading Shipwreck at the Bottom of the World and leaving my. Yeah, trailer for lack of a better word. <laughs> and going out to you know, have a bathroom break in the main building and they were all just so excited to talk about it. And that is like just the the a hallmark moment, you know, heading to the bathroom talking about a book. <laughs> well, it reminds me of like when your mom asks you what did you do in school today? But like so often you were just like, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't have anything to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. it was a boring it, day. But like these kids have things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and and I, you know, go back to one of our our first uh in uh, beginning of the year with module one with with Out of the Dust and and to see the parts of that book and and hear the the tough parts uh and and the kids really their emotions and we had kids who were in tears crying and the rest of the class talking with them and through that and and really coming to that uh understanding that that's the power of a good book is it brings out these emotions and and uh to see that in with our kids is just so so such a great thing. And Seth creates such an environment that they're able to freely talk about it. And like, he's so nurturing and welcome that he allows this conversation to, you know, go into the direction where sometimes they need to talk about their feelings and emotions. So I think that's great, too. Yeah, that book in particular, we won't, mm-hmm. we won't have any spoilers, but <laughs> man, it made me cry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so curious powerful. how, um, Kelly, if you're you know, you're seeing this happening in the classroom. What are you doing in, in, during library time to complement that or to support what Seth is doing, um, you know, in the library? It started actually right before we adopted the program. Um, Francine came to me and asked me to help with some of the um, core texts to get them um, labeled and um, into the classrooms and figure out a system. So we did that through our library system to make sure that it was um, they were checked out, just like some of our other books. But and then while we were talking, we started talking about the audio versions, and then we also started talking about the volumes of reading and how we can get those copies into the library and make them readily available. So um, that actually started really early on. Um, and then I, of course, I had a sixth grader at the time who was reading the stories, and <laughs> oh, that's I, so course, fun! Along with them, and I'm like, oh my god, you're going to love these books; they're wonderful. <laughs> and you know that um, the books that are selected, like for the content, but it's also the, like the language and um, like the complexity of some of these stories, they, like Seth had said, they do talk about emotions that are raw and the kids really can feel for those students um, who are in these stories that they can relate to. So um, it was a great opportunity for me to have some 
you know, I kind of <laughs> forcefully pushed myself into the classrooms, <laughs> but they were really accepting. And so in sixth grade, um, I was able to create some um, posters, some visual posters that I hung up in the classroom that had all of those uh, volume of reading texts. So then we started talking about like some extra projects because of COVID and everything that was going on. Well, how do you do the speaking and listening portion? when the kids aren't really able to kind of get into small groups and collaborate. So what could we do? So we have a wonderful program that we use called We Video. So I came up with some rubrics that I took the speaking and listening rubrics that you guys include in the manuals from the back. And I incorporated We Video so that they could use a green screen and they could um, talk and they could speak. And the kids actually would listen and critique um, some of these uh, volume of readings that they were. Um, That's so cool. Like, <laughs> Yes. Shown. <laughs> yeah. Exposed. To now, would they be, would they for. stand right behind where Seth is now with the green screen and, and do the wee videos there? This is one of the rooms that, that is yes, so we were neat. able to do some things. <laughs> yes. With so, the books right in here with them. So. Yeah, awesome. yeah, we have, it, it's, uh, I mean, I think at first when we started looking at the wit and wisdom program, obviously we're focused on the core texts mm -hmm. and, and the lessons and building that. But that volume of reading is so powerful and, and the kids want more, you know, whether we're in module one uh, and, and they're reading Bud Not Buddy and Out of the Dust. And then they're now picking up um, the some of the text there, Richard Pack, a long way from Chicago, and they're making those connections in the Great Depression and and they're creating now short little book talks on uh, a long way from Chicago with the world's fair in the back and in the countryside uh, with grandma Dowdell. And, but then they're making connections of the depression in those books to how it was seen with Bud in, in, in Bud Not Buddy. And it, they want more. And we move into module two, a hero's journey, which obviously uh, is for sixth graders is, is someone that they absolutely love. Really um, and they're picking up the hunger games and Harry Potter. And mm -hmm. well, our hero did this in this stage and the call to adventure was, <laughs> and they're using those terms. And um, it's funny because at the beginning they really didn't understand the terms. And I introduced the Wii video and they were like, we're not really sure what you're talking about. And I said, but you will. I promise. I know these terms are <laughs> difficult to understand at first, but you know, a few weeks later they're coming into the library and they're like, Oh my gosh, I realize what you're talking about. The hero of the story and like the shadow. Did you know the shadow is, you know, this and that. And they will use the terms and the vocab that That's so cool. <laughs> we weren't really sure um, that they were going to be able to like really pick up and yeah. discuss and notice, but they really noticed it in all of the books that they've read in the past. And we're able to bring that discussion. So um, they're leaving, the classroom. they're leaving our classroom and they know they can go to the library and find books that are connected to what we're doing and they're interested and they're motivated and we're seeing them check out more books mm -hmm. um, and, oh, yes, and, and they want more and they want to learn more, more, learn more and continue to build their knowledge about that module we're in. And even now we're in module three, uh, finishing up blood on the river mm -hmm. and they're not only want from this module, but they're going back. You know what? I, I never got to read one of those books in module one about the Great Depression. <laughs> and, and it's amazing to hear and see them. And, and, you know, I, it's possible because of the connection we have here with the library and, and the, the communication we have, we need these books and, mm -hmm. and have them available for the students is such a important part. And they come to me and they're so funny because they're, 
they do independently read quite often. And they're like, Miss Gunderson, do you know that um, Miss Car- uh, Elise Carbone has poison on the colony or poison in the colony is the book. And we don't have it in the library. Can you order it? So of course <laughs> oh I'm like, on Amazon, like ordering <laughs> a couple copies. And they're like, wait, get more than one though, because I want to partner with someone else so we can talk about it and have like some discussion. And so that's what I just ordered and made sure to have that in. And I'm like, okay, now my job is to go back and figure out whether or not we have the text for each of these authors that continue with some of the stories that they've put out after they've read it, you know, and we're waiting for um, Sanjay Patel to do another Ramayana type story because the kids love that one. So, (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. I feel like you, I, I like in my brain, I'm like, we should, you should have a win wisdom book club, like a little like volume of reading book club for the kids. It's so fun. Um, I, I do get extra credit on their projects if they do a volume of reading text. Oh, cool. and so that's, that's like also an incentive. So most of them are like, we want to do an extra credit. And I'm like, I don't have enough copies. So I have to like get on and, <laughs> and get more copies. So that's like, such a good problem. problem. Yeah, it is a huge problem that I have. That's a great problem to have So at the same time. It's so funny. Kelly, you're reminding me of here in Baltimore, we did um, some professional development with our school librarians and our mm-hmm. public library librarians um and it was right when we started with wit and wisdom and we were just telling them about like the knowledge building and uh, you know how we saw like it was really just like a we think there could be a connection with the library here because Mm -hmm. of this knowledge building it gives like such a place for the librarian to bring in more knowledge and the our librarians were so like they were like yes like thank goodness like we're not teaching just like main idea anymore because I didn't know what to do with like I can't help with that but I can help when it's like the great depression and I can order more books about that and help you know recommend books with the same author and things like that where it just like it just was a totally different feel for the librarians and it sounds like you are in a similar place as well Well, thank you I try. And that's what I try to stay as current as possible. And especially with when they're excited, how can you not be excited back? So when they're excited to read something, you're like, okay, I want to push that excitement to the next level and make sure that they have those books in their hands that they're looking for. If I have to do, you know, go to the public library as fast as possible. (laughs) Can I get this book and this book and this book? So I'll do it for them just to get those books um, right away so that they um, don't get turned off from reading. I want to keep that love of reading going. And it's really more than finding books, though, that Kelly does. And and, and a perfect example you know obviously that's a big part of it but in keeping the books in the kids hands but you know i'm thinking we're in module three right now uh narrating the unknown and as part of that module at the end of blood on the river um we began a focusing question task uh and a module where they're doing a mini research project and they're uh taking um a related topic from blood on the river they're skimming the afterward brainstorming uh, maybe they want to find out more about John Rolfe or uh, uh, Thomas Gates is shipwreck on Bermuda. Those items that were those historical events that were briefly mentioned. Uh, and we do a mini research project on that. And one of the ways we've connected with Kelly in, in the library is her expertise in, in research and, and finding credible and reliable sources. It, you know, I'll, I'll admit, I, yes, I, I can teach that lesson, but that's her expert, her area of expertise. Yeah. And so that's she just did thinking. an entire lesson mm-hmm. with our students. And as they're working now on these projects, currently I'm seeing them evaluate websites, sources. Is it credible? Is it reliable? And focusing their question. I really, I have to thank Kelly for her uh, willingness to participate with us in this, in this uh, mini project. Mm-hmm. And again, I have to thank, 
um, our admin because they allow me to have a flex schedule. So because of that flex schedule, I'm able to partner with any of the classroom teachers whenever they do a project and delve deeper into these um, skills. So I can take the literacy skills and um, my library skills and put them together and we can critique search engines and we can find things, you know, is it a reliable source? Is there primary resources? Um, how do you judge a search engine? Like, how do you know? How do you cite you know, you don't cite a search engine, you cite the source that it comes from. So, you know, there's so much conversation that we're able to have and tie into it. Um, but we are allowed the time. So that's been a wonderful thing to have is that time to work together and plan those things. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point, too. The collaboration is not just in the, the books, right? I mean, that's a, an obvious one, a very mm-hmm. good starting point. But I think your point, Seth, about Kelly jumping in, in her area of expertise, <laughs> in an area that she you know, probably has more training on than you. And I'm thinking the same for me, right? If I were paired with a librarian, I would really lean on them for, for certain components of that. It just not only makes sense, but it also, you know, is allowing the expert to come and, and help where it needs to be helped, you know? Um, so that's such a good point. I love that. I'm wondering if, um, Melissa, I'm going to pull you cause you always do this. Can okay. we kind of, um, not always, <laughs> but you do a great job of doing this. Can we really quickly, define, um, I want to circle back to volume of reading. (laughs) Can we just define it for those who are listening who may be like, what is a volume of reading? (laughs) Um, I actually found David Lieben's, um, blog on, uh, on, he did a a literacy skills blog about like volume of reading. And, um, it says, uh, how do we decide what's enough to constitute a volume? And he writes, the answer to this has to do with the purpose for increasing students' reading volume. The purpose of increasing students' volume of reading is to maximize the growth of vocabulary and knowledge. So I'm wondering, Seth and Kelly, if you might be able to shed some light and give a specific, like some more specific examples, right? Like now that if folks listening didn't have that reference, now that they have that understanding of volume of reading, um, like, would you like to choose a cortex and then like walk us through a couple sample volume of reading? Just you know, titles and maybe sure. talk. Well, so uh, module two comes right to my mind, which is uh, the hero's journey in sixth grade. And so the two core texts in sixth grade are uh, Ramayana Divine Loophole, uh, Sanjay Patel, uh, who is amazing. And, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Jillian Cross's uh, uh, Odyssey, the Odyssey, and the classic. Uh, it, it, and it, so the students, they're not familiar with the term monomyth. They know what a hero is. They've all seen Star Wars. They've all heard of and read in a lot of them and seen, or at least seen the movies Harry Potter. Yeah. And so what the volume of reading does for us is it gives other texts, the students, could choose to read or have read and bring their knowledge to our current module. So, for example, in module two, we have Rick Reardon's uh, The Lightning Thief uh, that a majority of the students come and they are familiar with and they know. Uh, or even going back to The Wizard of Oz and Dorothy <laughs> as the hero. Um, so the volume of reading offers additional texts that we can then leverage for to to use uh, for instruction it adds on it builds on to what we're doing with the core texts and a lot of times it helps our students in their comprehension their building of this knowledge for example in ramayana 
which they're not familiar with the story, our students. And I was not able familiar th- with it. <laughs> yeah. They're able then, though, they know I can use then Harry Potter or I can use Katniss Everdeen and say, well, man, Katniss was leaving her ordinary world, her home to go on this journey. And then that helps them understand uh, Odysseus leaving Ithaca in the Odyssey or Rama leaving his kingdom in, after he's banished. So the volume of reading is, is we use it a lot as a way to help our comprehension, make those connections. And, and as I said, just leverage those texts for instruction. Uh, I, and it's what I would say is a real benefit. Mm-hmm. And to jump on to that, um, we also time it so that it's being taught at the same time as social studies. So in sixth grade social studies, they do um, all the Romans, they do the gods, they do the Greeks, they do all these things. So it actually, um, you know, builds that content knowledge. We taught it prior to them starting that unit in social studies. So then they were able to come to the table with a discussion in social studies that they weren't able to um, have in years prior, um, in years past, because they didn't have that background knowledge unless they had read it or had had a conversation at home or somewhere else. But actually, every sixth grader, whether it be our ENL students, our special ed students, they all were able to come to the table with a different set of skills and a different set of uh, vocab that they didn't have in prior years. So that was really nice to build that um, content knowledge for the social studies teacher. So yeah, that's really cool. Lori and I were just talking about that with someone yesterday, where it's so neat when you see like, yeah, we always talk about like we have to teach it at the exact same time, but it's actually almost better when you see it like, oh, we taught it Stagger. here and then we see it, you know, come up in social studies later and they have something to bring to the table. It's really neat to see them be able to transfer and make those connections. And it's really neat. I'm wondering about any struggling readers. We always get this question and I feel like talking to teachers, we'd love to hear an honest answer. You know, the volume of saying a volume of reading to a struggling reader that that feels overwhelming. Right. Um, So I'm curious how um, your readers who are struggling might approach the volume of reading. Um, You know, what does that look like for them? I bet that that Kelly has some tricks up her sleeve. I just I can Mm -hmm. see it. (laughs) A lot of the um, books that we've uh, purchased for the library for, through the volume of reading. I've made sure we have a program called Sora, which is um, just like Libby and all these other programs that the public libraries use. Oh, but yeah. because we have a um, audio version of all of the books, the kids are able to download it and listen to them. We're one-to-one. So we have Chromebooks. So every student has a Chromebook. So the Sora is in their waffle on Chrome and they're able to log in and listen to it and hear any of the books. And if there is a different book that we don't have, um, we purchase it and make sure that we have it or we contact the public library and see if they have it available and they're able to download it through their library card. So we've partnered um, with the community in these types of uh, programs. But also we make sure that, um, like I think of the God's um, that we're going through. We do have a lot of graphic novels. Mm-hmm. So some of our students who are struggling readers, they do pick the graphic novels. And then they're also, we're fortunate where we have um, a sixth grade um, specialized t- teacher who's able to pull those students and work with them um, in their, uh, t- what is it that they call that time that they use? So she's got that special time that she, special, it's I mean, literacy lab. literacy lab. Yeah. So it's a literacy lab that she's able to pull them individually and work with them. And I've gone in and helped you know, that's where we've done the projects, the green screens, and they've had more one-on-one help. So that's been uh, really nice as well. 
That's so cool. I I love that you're leveraging community connections. I can see Melissa's face. She's very excited about this as well. <laughs> we try as much as possible because, you know, with resources these days, we try to use um, the funds as that are out there. So we might have our own resources, but, you know, public libraries have a lot of uh, resources that they're able to use, especially when they're saying they're, you know, in support with the schools. So yeah. they're able to support us. We just and discovered done- Libby too at home. Like not, like not mm-hmm. just, but recently, and we've been using it when we're in car rides. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter gets car sick if she reads, so we've been listening as a you know together in the car, and it is honestly such a great way to bring everybody together. You know, like you're all invested in this story, and you're you're listening to Hatchet, and now like Hatchet is connected to a, you know our our road trip to wherever, and it, as a it just helps you have com- like conversation, but also build that knowledge that they need. And like, I just think it's a fantastic way for families to support the kiddos yeah. in school. You know, like I know families are constantly asking now, what can we do to help? And this is a really easy way well, to help. <laughs> I can't tell you how many kids we've had to go to go to Jamestown, Virginia in the mm-hmm. last two years. Really? I just <laughs> over our most, I kid you not, over our most recent February break, mm-hmm. we had two students who are sending me pictures from Jamestown so and the Susan Constant. <laughs> That's cool. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And well, we were headed down that way anyways. So the families are telling us. So, and my son is like, we got to go. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, and that's again with the community connections. And, uh, we, we were able to, uh, speaking of the Jamestown, um, work out and we're planning it now again for this year coming up, uh, a virtual field trip oh, with that cool. Kelly has, has organized with, uh, the Jamestown museum and they do such a great job of, uh, coming on and and everything we've read and written in bone, which is a very complex text. And um, again, the way it's broken down with the boxes and bullets, graphic organizer to identify main idea, key details, really supports all of our students with that text. Uh, the connections between the visuals, the illustrations, the captions, uh, the diagrams take a lot of discussion. And so we're like, how can we continue to build knowledge, make this, make our students uh, engaged and motivated? And Kelly had that great idea to to have this virtual field trip last year, our first year. And I, it was so impressive to for the students to see actually what was going on at Jamestown uh, and hear about the actual archaeological and forensic anthropology that they've read about now to see and, and, and hear about it. The um, archaeologist from Jamestown was so impressed and, and with their questions, and our students are asking some of our questions we pose to them in class uh, for <laughs> Socratic so seminars. Cool. <laughs> it, it, it was kind they're of funny, asking yes. him if he thinks Jamestown was a success or a failure. <laughs> and, and he said, "That's a great question." And that it was so just, cool. but but that's that's you know that connection that helps all our readers, obviously. Um, and that's just one example of something we were able to do 
with them at Jamestown. And uh, he he actually was impressed as well. He's like, you, you're reading written in bone in sixth grade? So I use that with some of my, my archaeological graduate, graduate students are oh. here in Jamestown. <laughs> yeah. and, it's uh, funny because, yes, but, it was wonderful. He's um, His name's Mark Summers. He's actually the director um, for Jamestown Rediscovery. It's the name of the program that we reached out to. And, yeah, they have these amazing programs. And it was really cool because they do the archaeological aspects and they tie that in. But what was neat was that they actually had an archaeological breakthrough while we were like they were about to uh, like set out to the um public that no one else knew well i mean obviously some people knew but our kids were so by and they were like do you want to know a secret do you want to know something (laughs) you know we discovered something that we haven't told anybody and it was about the like starving time well and that and that jane about the there was a few things mm -hmm. that uh when Alyssa carbone was down and he had met with uh, her when she was researching to write blood on the river and he told our students at the time uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything nope. here, but one of the characters uh, um, uh, early on in Jamestown, based on her research and, and the historical record, uh, one of the younger boys was killed early on in the first 10 days uh, in Jamestown. And they weren't sure who it was up until recently. The forensic anthropology mm-hmm. uh, and 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 uh, technology uh, has changed some of the things they know. And our kids were just blown away hearing about this and reading about this and it was amazing to see uh, and, and them asking and, and asking about the graves and yeah. different things like that. And again, we don't want to give it away, but it was they had all of the key words in the ter- in the terms down. So he was Mark was very impressed with them and like, wow, like, yeah, this is this is great. I can't believe you guys have these questions. So, so cool. it was really neat to have that um, <laughs> opportunity again when we were you know in lockdown. It was like, how can we you know, how do you get these uh, pictures into kids' heads. How do they see it? And so, you know, these virtual field trips that came up were amazing. So now, again, we've reached out and they're going to be doing another archaeological one um, in the next coming weeks. So and we're excited. excited. You mentioned earlier shipwreck at the bottom of the mm-hmm. world. They just found the uh, endurance. endurance. Yeah. I know. So we <laughs> already made a connection there. We have uh, something planned coming up as well when we get into that. Oh, Not that's so cool. cool. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. Honestly, I could listen I to you both talk about this all day. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're giving me great ideas, you know, even as a parent, you're giving me ideas like, oh, I didn't think about doing a virtual field trip or seeing what was available as a virtual field trip. So that's a really another really cool way to connect with families. And Melissa, I'm wondering if you have anything to add, because I know your work in Baltimore, you were so thoughtful about this. So I'm curious. I know that you shared it with me, but if you want to share it with Seth and Kelly, any any other really things? Putting me on the spot here because I'm not sure where you're going with that. I was in. Well, I was in your. I was in your Google Drive, like scouting around at the different. You did like a whole, um, like community connection for each. Oh do you yeah, know what I'm yeah, yeah. Of? I, now yeah. I do. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I was like, where's what? I'm where's like, you gave me access me? to your Google Drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think I had similar ideas as as you all have. I mean, you you all had the benefit of, you know, you're in a school, you're working together, you can make it happen. I was at the district level. So I was just trying to like, do what I could. But I saw some things like, um, I was mostly working on seventh grade at the time. So I know it's not. It's not it's not your thing, Seth. But <laughs> I, that's where I started the work. Where um, I'm all ears. Tell me. What <laughs> well, well yeah, Kelly's I, taking notes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Kelly, if it's anything that makes uh, that would work for you. But I was just thinking, like, like same thing. I was like, I just want to like make this more real for kids. Like, I, even um, the 
the Chaucer. Um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Canterbury Tales? Canterbury Tales. Canterbury. Thank you. Um, you know, it seems like why do we still read this book? You know, um, and I just started looking around, and it happens that there was at, we're right near Johns Hopkins University. There happens to be a professor at Johns Hopkins who is all about Chaucer. Like you know how that like that's his thing, and mm-hmm. I was like well, maybe I'll go talk to this guy, right? And I did, and I just, I I did a video with him, and it was so cool to hear him talk about, like, why is this still relevant today? Why are the Canterbury Tales still relevant? And he did a whole video with me about, like, why would kids be interested in the Canterbury Tales? And it was just it was just neat to, to do that. And, and it was actually really helpful for teachers. You know, I don't even know yeah, that, that's what I was thinking, that yeah. went, I don't even know that it went to the student level, but for teachers to hear, because not all of our teachers necessarily know the Canterbury Tales or know a lot about it. Um, it was, it was really fun. So yeah. The- Kelly, I can see you. Are you like, knowledge. are you going to go get a video camera now and like go to the community? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I kind of feel the same way. Um, just with the background, like you said, um, not everyone's out there able to do background research and do that sort of stuff. But like, I've got Claudette Colvin up behind me and I'm not sure if you saw in the news, but with eighth grade, um, they were reading it at the same time that she was just pardoned Mm. and there was a whole news article and it was out everywhere. And so I, know, I forwarded it on to the eighth grade teachers and they were like, and the social studies teachers as well, just to let them know this was happening if they hadn't been able to, I mean, read the news as much as they had been, you know, with everything else going on in the world, it's difficult to sort of uh, filter those things. But I was able to do that. And they were very excited to share that with students because, you know, it's happening right now. It's relevant, it's pertinent, and it's the story that they were reading. So, you know, you can't plan those things. The same thing with the endurance being found. You know, they're about to read the book and it sunk and it was never to be found again. Yet, wait a minute, it just did. It got... (sighs) You know, look, it was located. Yeah. And and I think that's the biggest one of the biggest things in the last two years that I've seen here. The kids are no longer leaving English class and it's done for the day. It, it is with us throughout the day. All classes in the hallways, in the lunchroom. We hear them talking about these experiences and it's truly, you know, something special. I think seeing our kids love what they're doing, what they're reading, what they're discussing. And, uh, you know, that's been a big change the last two years, I think. Mm-hmm. Going home and talking about it with their, with their grandparents. Yeah. Were you alive to their impression? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, did this happen to you? You know, yeah. I mean, some of these questions that, and we're getting emails from families, like thanking us for allowing their children to like the opportunity to, to have these discussions and, um, be able to go home and, you know, want to know more about, um, information that they, you know, probably wouldn't have asked if they didn't have that prior knowledge. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to go back to our volume of reading conversation for like the Mm -hmm. fourth time now, but, (laughs) um, it's just stuck with me thinking about like, I was thinking about what I used to do before a knowledge building curriculum. And I, I wanted my kids to read more and I, it was, good intentions, right? I was just like, let's get books in your hands. And my kids that love to read, loved it. (laughs) My kids that didn't love to read, it was a struggle. And sometimes I found like a good book that like, they they were like, okay, I can do this. But a lot of the times it was like, I'm going to get a book and pretend to read this because you're telling me it's time to read a book. (laughs) Um, And it just feels so different the way you all talked about it, right? Like that, you know, they're reading it with more of a purpose. They can have conversations with you. They can make these connections. And and I I really 
wasn't able to do that when they're just picking, they're all picking books right. that they just want to pick. Um, I'm just wondering if you all saw a difference there too. I do believe that because they have this project that Seth and, um, has allowed me to create in their classroom, they, um, it's a 12 week project. They have 12 weeks to read one book. If they do extra, it's extra credit. Um, and then they get to create a video and that whole technology aspect of it, um, mm-hmm. where they're actually, there's a rubric involved. They have to answer, you know, um, the stages, you know, of whether or not, which, what I'm trying to think of the Odyssey, a hero's journey. We did, they had Vogler stages yep. or they had the ability to choose whether to define character who is the character archetypes. Yeah. And so when they went into it that way, they came in, they had to read the book. They had to know <laughs> yeah. these things. I mean, you right. can't make it up if you don't read it. So it was really neat to have that conversation. Okay. So who, who do you think um, was, you know, the shadow in the story and we could come into it. Okay. How do we write about them? What did they do? And then how would you film it? You know, what would you put in the background? If we use a green screen, what type of um, picture do you have in your head? So all of these, um, you know, reading traits that you kind of forget to talk about a little bit. Once you leave elementary school, we're able to pull back in here in middle school and have conversations and, you know, pushing that out there to those struggling readers and being able to come into the library and work one-on-one with possibly me or um, another person in here that's able to help them or another student and having the connection with another student. They've already finished. They know what they're doing. Can you talk to them about, you know, this or that and help them um, figure out who it is in their story or what they want to achieve? It's been a great, I think, growing experience for the students as well. Yeah. You mentioned earlier in the podcast, actually in the very beginning of the podcast, that when, you know, students have the right supports and collaboration and what you're sharing right now just speaks to all of that. Like, I feel like you are in, like Seth is the main support, right? Because he's in the classroom, but you're Mm -hmm. equally as important of a support and another (laughs) sturdy, you you know, sturdy person for them to go to, to say, Hey, I need, I need help. I want to learn more. How, you know, how can I do this? So I, you know, I see see both of you as like having that equal weight of importance of being a support for students and what a benefit. I just, I think that that's not typically how, you know, um, schools are accessing their librarians. So what, like, I'm so proud of both of you for this collaboration and partnership and your students are benefiting so much. This is it's like so oh, nice my, talking with you. My students could just come up and ask, can I go see Mrs. Gunderson? I have a question. <laughs> yes, we like her. Go right ahead. No, I'm just go right ahead. Whether, very it's, well whether it's about one of the books, a technology question, or they need a, a, a bleach stick for spilling something on them. Go see Mrs. Gunderson. That's so no. cool, though. Because I think sometimes... I just look at myself. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Kelly. Oh, sorry, Melissa. I do. I just look at myself as a uh, like a reference, like a resource. Like, I'm here... It's just like a, like you would go to a book for a resource. And like, I'm actually able to do all of these things. I know I have the background in the history. I've been in the classroom. I left the classroom and came into the library for this reason and this purpose. So I feel that, you know, more librarians should be used as a resource and not just, oh, a scheduled block of time. So that's yeah. kind of been nice. And it's been a buy-in by our whole mm-hmm. middle school, too, I, because I had... You know, our eighth grade social studies teacher came to me last year and wanted to know more about what are what are we doing in the Great Depression? He's hearing some kids talk about during he's one of his duties as lunch supervisor <laughs> for the sixth graders. He's hearing and he's like, well, wait a second. I'm, and so he's like, oh, that's fantastic. I can build on this. I can mm-hmm. do that. Our seventh grade social studies teacher teaches the American or early American history. And she's saying, 
oh, you're reading Blood on the River. You're talking about James. Yeah. And now she's added into what she's done. So it's been the entire school, I think, really buying into this um, idea that literacy is across all subjects, obviously, and all areas and making the connections with the students, even if they're a science teacher, but they're asking about forensic anthropology. And written and bone. <laughs> but it's been really everybody who's who's made this um, a special place. But, um, you know, adoption of, of the program, but why we're seeing our kids being so successful, I think, uh, as well. So cool. I was just going to say earlier, I feel like a lot of places I've worked, the librarian was underutilized or like always felt like, you know, hey, I'm here. I, you know, like, how can I help you? I'm trying to find a way to help. And it's just really nice to hear how like um, robust your your support is, Kelly. But it, like, it's not even just support. It's like part <laughs> of the fabric of the the actual instruction, which is really cool. Yeah. I love that you fake punched each other too. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was it fake? Ouch. <laughs> I didn't hear anything on the microphone and it's a, you have a pretty solid microphone there. <laughs> That's right. Oh, well, I feel like we're maybe heading to, unless Melissa, you have anything else you'd like to ask and Seth and Kelly, I want to open it up to you. Do you have anything else you'd like to share other than, you know, before we get to our advice for our listeners? No, I think that you guys have covered it. It's been really great to have the um, acceptance, like you said, of the school to be able to put this, you know, together where we've been able to work together and collaborate. Um, They're able to uh, support us in so many ways. So um, a lot of it has been great. And again, a lot of it has to do with Seth and his classroom and the way that he teaches and the environment that he sets up. So it's been a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. I'm actually wondering if you might be able, and you know, we won't, wouldn't post publicly, but would you just send us a couple of the kids' videos? Absolutely. <laughs> that would yeah. be so fun. Definitely. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, Thank they you. would all volunteer. We don't oh, know how to it, choose. Yeah, that's absolutely. The There's some really good <laughs> ones. Yeah. Choose me, choose me. <laughs> if, you have like a, if you have a drive, you can just like give us access. We'll, we'll, we'll watch them <laughs> all. We will, Melissa and I will spend some time watching them all. That is so, so fun. fun. What, can you tell us, is it an app? What is the name again? Yes, we video actually. It's a, a program itself, and um, you log in. We do it through our Google login. Okay, it is a paid site though, so I can um, link it though in show notes. So if people want mm-hmm. to go, okay, I'll do that. Cool. I think it's time, time Melissa. For some advice. Yeah. Thank you. So we always um, we always end with asking you all to give our listeners some advice. Um, so if Seth, you might have some advice for any classroom teachers implementing Wit and Wisdom and Kelly, any librarians that are in schools who are implementing, we'd love to hear. Yeah. You know, I guess my biggest thing is just um, I'm not an expert in everything. And and uh, I, and I admitting I don't know everything and and using the resources that are here in our building has been help has helped my instruction. In going whether it's Kelly or whether it's a social studies teacher and I'm teaching about Jamestown and I'm not really sure about that history. So I'm going to go and talk to him. So my biggest piece of advice is don't be afraid to talk the, to the experts or seek out people that are an experts in the area, more knowledgeable. That just helps my instruction and um, obviously the benefit of the students. So that would be my advice. And mine would just definitely be for any librarian out there just to, you know, make yourself available. 
um, be that resource, be the reference, um, try and, you know, jump on to any teacher who is willing to accept um, help and other teachers will see that and then start seeking you out. So um, yeah, just knowledge about what you're teaching and that's really it. So great. So exciting to hear everything that you all are doing. It's, it's really fun for us to hear what's actually happening in schools and classrooms. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you for being here today. We appreciate you so much and for all that you do every day. Absolutely. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for listening, Literacy Lovers. We release a new podcast episode every Friday and share more resources in a newsletter on Tuesday. Sign up for our newsletter at literacypodcast.com. Each week, you'll receive important information, resources, and connected content. We're excited to create a space for community discussion about our podcast. We want to connect with our listeners and support you in answering your questions. But we also realize there are a lot of other educators out there who have great advice and experience too. Let's keep learning together in our Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast Facebook group, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If the content in this episode helped you, share with a fellow educator and teacher friend. Our Literacy Lover community welcomes educators at every stage of their learning journey. We're so glad you're here to learn with us.